Broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. It is our number two of the Voice of Reason, broadcasting coast to coast all over the place for your weekend edition. Great to have you with us. And holy cow, man, what a weekend it's been. So... First and foremost, I have to say, and for those that don't know, then I guess this is news. Not that I really want to share this because I don't really care. I care, but, you know, it's not a big thing. But for those that do listen often and send me the messages, I have to say thank you. Friday was my birthday. And, yes, I did turn 35. And I love it. I have to say my favorite birthday of all is whenever it lands on Friday the 13th. Friday, the 13th of October. It's a very special time for me. And I think it's a lucky year. So I was very excited. Officially 35 on Friday the 13th. Thank you for the birthday wishes. We appreciate that very much. I don't bring that up because I want to mention that. I bring it up because this weekend has been absolutely awesome. Although I am slightly bummed that along with being Friday the 13th, there was also the solar eclipse that happened this weekend. Hopefully everybody got to see that here in Kansas. I was so excited because we were close to the path of the solar eclipse, but I didn't get to see it because it was super cloudy. Uh, on Saturday, so I didn't get to actually see it. It was completely overcast, and I I got pictures from friends down in Oklahoma that saw it, but I didn't get to see it myself, and I was a little bit bummed about that. We also have the new moon, which is really awesome, and can you imagine, talk about those that really enjoy the Halloween theme. On Halloween weekend, Halloween's on a Tuesday this week, but the weekend leading up to it, the 20th, 29th, 30th, that weekend is the full moon. So think of that as you will. There's going to be werewolves all over the place, apparently, but the full moon will be out on Halloween weekend, and that's going to be quite interesting for those that like to celebrate that kind of stuff. So I personally am just more excited about the cooler weather. We're finally into fall. I don't want to see 80 degrees anymore. I'm very angry of how long this summertime has lasted. I want my 40-degree temperatures. I walked out this weekend in my shorts when it was 45 degrees and windy and i absolutely loved it and i'm sitting here in my hoosier media network studios sipping on apple cider oh yeah not like hard apple cider don't get that out of your head but just regular apple cider i'm so excited about it. it's that and i only get it this time of year no one else in the family really drinks it so i have to get it for myself and i have to thoroughly indulge and enjoy it because we need apple cider in our lives it's just something beautiful and i let's let's replace pumpkin spice with apple cider i say that we do that what do you think i think that's a good idea all right let's get into our weekend review because there's a lot to talk about shall we let's go to the oh, let's do that one. let's do that one. it's your weekend review one of these days i promise i'm going to get my my sound effects actually on track here by the way bottom of this hour we are going to have thomas fletcher on the program he is the deputy director of government affairs for Americans for Prosperity, our great partners here on this radio program. We love them and appreciate them very much. And he'll be on to talk about some of the policies that are going on in Washington, D.C., and the House of Representatives and the Biden administration and the Senate and all the other garbage that's going on up there. And we'll get the latest on how we can um, utilize this to the best of our abilities to actually get something done and be somewhat productive in Washington. But with our Week in Review and looking at the latest out of D.C., I have to ask you the question, and I said this during my weekday program, have Republicans uh, gambled a little bit too much? And I use the analogy of if you go to the casino, 
You're not expecting to win. You threw the dice. You won. Ha <laughs> ha. You hit the jackpot. You were awesome. I won all the money. You can walk away right now and just take your winnings or you can try to gamble some more to even raise the stakes even higher. And at the end of the day, 90% of people lose all that money that they've tried to throw in there thinking that they could just take it again. And then they throw more in there. Well, if I hit the jackpot one more time, it'll be even higher than the last time I won. And I've said this from the very beginning. I support the conservatives wholeheartedly. I support what Matt Gates did wholeheartedly. I support what's been going on with the removal of Kevin McCarthy as a Speaker of the House wholeheartedly because, yes, he has broken his uh, broken his bonds. He has lied to us. He has not been the conservatives. He said he was going to be. It needed to be done. On that front, the question was that was lingering around everybody's mind, if we can't get conservatives or at least the Republican Party to rally as conservatives on policy issues, how are we going to rally around somebody that's more conservative as Speaker of the House? Because we have a very large, moderate Republican sect that's not doing their job as Republicans while they pretend to have an R in front of their name. So if we can't fight for limited government, if we can't fight to stop a continuing resolution that gives us massive amounts of spending, how in the world are we going to rally around a new Speaker of the House? And that's been my major concern, I think a major concern for a lot of Americans and a lot of Republicans who don't want to look fractured and broken going into an election season. All that being said, we had a wild week where we go into it with nominating Steve Scalise, the current House Majority Leader, to become the new Speaker of the House. He wins by a decent majority within the Republican caucus with their votes. And yet we'd have conservatives that were the holdouts to say, "Uh uh-uh, ain't going to fly. We don't have enough votes to get to the 217 we need in the overall House chambers in order to win that majority. So not working. We try to whip them and whip them, meaning we'd have the Republican whip to try and win over the votes and get them to support them and show unity. I was okay with Steve Scalise. He's a relatively conservative guy. He was the second tier to Kevin McCarthy, so had a flavor of that. But overall, was pretty decent. Then we couldn't rally it. So he drops out and falls away. The second up and cover, Jim Jordan, who also had some support and a lot more support from the conservative side of the Republican Party, now apparently has had his vote to become the new nominee for the Speaker of the House for the Republican caucus uh, with a 124 to 81 vote. Now, again, Far short of the 217 that he's going to need from straight Republicans in order to win the Speaker of the House because the Democrats aren't going to vote for a Republican. They're going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries, who's a radical progressive left winger, and we need all but, what, three or four Republicans to not vote for a certain candidate, and right now we're not at that point. We had the 124 to 81 vote. That is well short of the uh, 217. So after the vote to nominate him, he held a mock vote on the speakership, and it went up a little bit, going to the 152 to 55 vote. So a little bit better, not quite where we need to be yet. Okay, that's interesting. How are we going to whip them? So now we're in the position where have we rolled the dice too far? Conservatives got what we wanted, and it's a good thing we got Kevin McCarthy out. The question is, what's next? We have a broken caucus going into a major election season where we need to figure out how We're going to solve the issue of unifying the Republican Party, get a Speaker of the House, and be able to move forward with policy when we're a month away from the budget running again after the continuing resolution. But now we have a narrative that's changed just a little bit, and it's for the positive, I think, because now we can start putting pressure on the moderate rhino Republicans. 
we have the Republican Party that ostracized, attacked, destroyed the conservatives for upsetting the motion of the government, upsetting the process in which things are done, upsetting the system by trying to remove Kevin McCarthy. Upset with those guys, putting him up. Boom. Well, you know what? 2020's hindsight. It's done. How do we move forward? All right. Now we're moving forward. And we tried the Skeep Scalise conservatives again. Were the upsetters not conservative enough, not doing what we really needed them to do? Boom. He dropped out. Not good enough. So now we have Jim Jordan, a relatively great conservative guy. Cool. All right. With the conservatives now, and obviously with a vast majority of the Republican Party in a 152 to 55 vote, the conservative Jim Jordan so far has the largest amount of Republican support for Speaker of the House that we've seen out of any of the candidates. We had another candidate for a short time, this Austin Scott, which didn't like Jim Jordan because he was part of the Freedom Caucus. And Austin, uh, Austin Scott said he was conservative, but doesn't like the Freedom Caucus for whatever reason. But after that vote, and he tried it for a little bit, jumped into the race, jumped out of the race for a moment. He did release a statement saying, I highly respect Jim Jordan. Our conference has spoken, and now we must unite behind Jordan so we can get Congress back at work. Great statement. We have Donald Trump endorsing Jim Jordan. We have Kevin McCarthy endorsing Jim Jordan. We have Austin Scott endorsing Jim Jordan. What's the problem here? We were supposed to have a Speaker of the House by the end of this week. It didn't happen. Now it looks like we may have a vote coming up on Monday. Cool. Hopefully we can do that, and hopefully we can unite. But during a crisis time when Republicans should be uniting, trying to find unity to show strength going into a major election year and a policy year, how are we going to get to that? Because now we've gone from ostracizing the conservatives for putting us in this situation to now, hey, we have a nominee. He's relatively conservative. He obviously can carry at least 152 other Republicans. How do we get the other 55 on board? Now, the focus has shifted from the hardliners, the media likes to call the Democrats, like to call the hardliners, the radicals, the extremists, the uh, whatever they try to call the MAGA supporters, from them to the moderates, the moderate Republican sect who say that Jim Jordan's too conservative, to say that he's too much on the bandwagon for Donald Trump. Let's say that he's going to shake up the status quo. Let's say that he's going to ruin the way that Washington, D.C. actually does things. They're the ones now that are the holdouts. And what are we going to do about them? This has been an internal civil war among the Republican Party for a very long time, and it's only getting worse. And I'm glad it's finally coming out because we can work out our issues and hopefully be able to move forward together singing Kumbaya holding hands. I don't know how that's going to last or when that where we're going to get to that point, but we need to do it relatively soon. But now we need to stop focusing on the conservatives for disrupting the system. And now that we have a nominee, figure out why there are some that are still the holdouts. And are they the super-duper-duper radicals that just think that Jim Jordan isn't even conservative enough? Or is it the moderates that are saying, yeah, he's too radical, I don't want him to be Speaker of the House? And if that's the case, then how do we move forward to unite it? Because the next step could be even more devastating. The next step could be taking us two steps backwards after trying to move us forward, and that is moderate Republicans finally throwing their hands up in the air saying, I can't work with this caucus right now anymore. It's uh, being controlled by the hardliners, by the radicals, by the conservatives. We're going to go work with moderate Democrats. And that seems to be the direction that they've wanted to go now that Hakeem Jeffries is out there trying to welcome them into 
that vote to bring a minority party Speaker of the House into the realm. And that's why it's so urgently necessary that the Republicans get their act together and elect the Speaker from within their own ranks, as it is the responsibility of the majority party to do, or have traditional Republicans break with the extremists within the House Republican Conference and partner with Democrats on a bipartisan path forward. We are ready, willing, and able to do so. I know there are traditional Republicans who are good women and men who want to see government function, but they are unable to do it within the ranks of their own conference, which is dominated by the extremist wing, and that's why we continue to extend the hand of bipartisanship to them. I love the terminology. You notice the terminology there? We extend the olive branch. We extend the bipartisanship. We extend the normal Republicans, the regular Republicans, instead of the hardliners, the radicals that are holding onto the party and holding the party hostage. We need to look at the normal Republicans to figure out what's going on and how we can get them back on track. That is the notion from the Democrats trying to win them over. And if they're able to do that, then the Democrats then would have control of the Speaker of the House and we move five steps back. And conservatives, while we have an opportunity to do something really profound here, we have an opportunity to really do something productive to change the way Washington, D.C. works. Democrats could be fooling those moderates to work on that side of the aisle. Now, I hope that's not the case. And we could be looking at it worst case scenario, but we have to be prepared for something like that. If we have some of those Republicans, and I could name a few of them offhand, that are so anti-Republican but have that R in front of their name, that they would rather work with a radical progressive liberal Democrat than get something done under the name of Republicanism to change the status quo in Washington, D.C. Lots more coming up. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's your Patriot on the Prairie. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed, it is your Patriot on the Prairie. So we have a Republican caucus that's really bickering, I think, a little bit too much on what needs to be. And I get it. We're trying to redefine the party, trying to move it, trying to uh, expose what needs to be exposed. I get it. I understand the fight. But at the same time, where's the line drawn between we're actually hurting ourselves more than we're helping ourselves? Because both Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan would have been ideal candidates overall to become Speaker of the House. In fact, both of them ran the Republican Study Committee, which if you don't know what the Republican Study Committee is, it's kind of like the the Freedom Caucus, but yet it's, I guess, slightly less conservative, which just think about this for a second. I want to go on to the 30,000-foot view here for a moment before we talk about this organization. Imagine, if you will, you have to have a caucus within a caucus because the caucus is not where the party was supposed to be, which is what the intent of the party was. So you have to have a caucus inside the party to show what the values actually are. So the Republican study committee is 176 members strong of conservatives within the Republican party. It is a majority. So they pretty much dominate a lot of what the Republican party does in Washington, DC through the Republican study committee. Jim Jordan was the chairman of the Republican Study Committee back in 2011, 2012, I believe. He was the chairman of it. Steve Scalise 
was the chairman directly after Jim Jordan of the Republican Study Committee. So both of them were the chairman of a conservative organization within the Republican Party. Now, Jim Jordan went on and left the Republican Study Committee, saying it wasn't conservative enough, and went to create the House Freedom Caucus. So now we have a House Freedom Caucus inside of a Republican Study Committee, all of it within the Republican Party, because we have to redefine what our values actually are. If I'm not mistaken, the reason that you and I, the majority of us listening, maybe you're not, maybe you are a Democrat and you see the same issues on your side. Maybe you're an independent and you just walked away from all of it. Or maybe you're a libertarian because you felt you got ran away from the party. Regardless of what your beliefs are, we have now most voters that are Republican registered as Republicans because we wanted conservative Republican values. We wanted conservative Republican beliefs to actually get something done. Because we wanted limited government, lazy, fair market, uh, capitalist ideals. We wanted freedom. We wanted our individual rights. We wanted to be able to believe what we wanted. We wanted to be able to say what we wanted. We wanted to be able to purchase a firearm. We wanted to be able to live our lives and have the opportunities that were guaranteed to us from the Constitution and the Declaration. That's what we wanted as a Republican Party. And the Republican Party started off that way. Abraham Lincoln literally came out and said, we're going to free the slaves because slavery is a bunch of crap and we want freedom for everybody. And we fought a civil war, not only because of slavery, but that was a large part of it. Now we get to the point where like, yeah, there's a Republican Party, but yeah, they're not really doing the job. So now we need a Republican study committee, which is the vast majority of the party. Now, yeah, they're not really conservative enough. Now we need a Freedom Caucus. And I support the Freedom Caucus, and I love the Freedom Caucus. And Jim Jordan's doing an amazing job as a member of the Freedom Caucus and the guy that founded, one of the guys that founded the caucus. But why do we need that in the first place when that's really what the whole purpose of the Republican Party was? That being said, at what point do we have the rest of the Republican Party say, you know, we've gone too far radical being held hostage? Or do we say, you know, now the moderates, the middle of the roaders, are the ones that are holding us up. We have, and I said this a week ago, throughout the entire week, we have a huge opportunity right now, an opportunity where we can actually come out stronger. We can have Jim Jordan come in as Speaker of the House. We can work on some budgetary issues. We can pass some legislation. We can force the hands of the Democrat majority in the Senate. We can stagnate Joe Biden with what he's trying to do, and we can show some strength of what Republicans would actually do if we were in a leadership position going into an election season. But until we get these 55 Republicans to get on board with Jim Jordan, we're stuck at square one right now. And we don't know what else to do. And it breaks my brain and it breaks my heart. And it hurts me just a little bit knowing that we're that fractured, that we can't come together even just a little bit for the betterment of this nation, especially with, I don't know, what's going on elsewhere around the world. Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
truth and reason within the economy. That's what's happening with Americans for Prosperity. They are the country's largest organization and grassroots organization with chapters in every single state and over 4 million advocates nationwide. And you can help out right here. For more information on how to help out with this massive campaign that is beginning to wrap up, at least for the summertime with the knocking on doors, because I don't know if we want to do it in the wintertime, but we can at least still let people know about what's happening with the economy. Visit online, americansforprosperity.org, americansforprosperity.org. Plus, you can also follow them on their social media at AFPHQ. Again, AFPHQ. Help reignite the American dream by calling out what it is, the uh, failed Biden economic policies, and do it all with Americans for Prosperity. Great partners right here on The Voice of Reason for our weekday program and our special weekend edition of the show. All right, we are going to, we'll try and get Thomas on the program here in just a little bit if we can. He is the Deputy Director of Government Affairs for Americans for Prosperity as he's keeping a close eye on what's going on in Washington. So we'll get him on in a minute. Did I see this right, though? There was, uh, Breitbart ran this story. Jamal, what's his name? Jamal Bowman. Now, he's the guy that pulled the fire alarm, right? He's the guy that pulled the fire alarm during the vote on the budget issues because he didn't want the conservative continuing resolution. He didn't want the Republican bill to pass. So even though it wasn't going to pass because it was too radical from the hardliner Republicans, those evil hardliners, that's the new uh, catchphrase today. It's the trigger word for Democrats. When they hear a hardliner, they lose their minds. Yeah. But that's what they're using, the hardliner. So he didn't want the vote to happen from the hardliner, so he pulled a fire alarm. And then when asked about it, because, you know, that's illegal to interrupt business of Congress like that, like, I don't know, the insurrectionists of January 6th, when asked about it, he was like, oh, sorry, I was trying to open the door. I didn't know that that was a fire alarm. I thought that that was going to just open the door. My bad. Totally sorry. The guy shouldn't be removed from office, probably be sitting in jail right now or at least fined in some way, shape or form. But he's not. He's still in Congress. He's still doing his thing. Yet that guy, he has now come out and announced that we should be, quote unquote, welcoming Palestinian refugees. (laughs) Yeah. So there's that welcoming Palestinian refugees. And I mean, Uh, My brain hurts just thinking about, again, the lunacy that we have in this country. If we really want to bring more individuals in, first off, let's remember the refugee status, and this goes for everything going on at the southern border as well. The refugee status is held for someone who's being persecuted within their own nation. And if they're being persecuted and having a violation of their human rights, they can go and be saved as a refugee. Now, that doesn't mean that we send them across the world to another nation. A refugee, an asylum seeker, means that you go to a nation next door. You're in such immediate peril that you have to go to the neighbor next door running away from your nation, and that's the closest way to get out, and you go to the next door neighbor and say, hey, I need help. Let me out, please, because I can't live there. They're going to kill me. That's what an asylum seeker and a refugee does. I I could be wrong. I wasn't very good in geography, but I'm pretty sure that Palestine does not border the United States. I'm also pretty sure that most of the Central American nations that are sending a lot of their individuals up to our southern border, that's also not a neighbor to us because there's a nation or multiple nations in between us, one of them being Mexico, which is a very long trek to get from one nation to another through the country of Mexico. But nonetheless, we see these refugees coming in all the time, and we're just like, yeah, come on down. 
The price is right, baby. Here's your food stamp. Here's your bus ticket. Here's your plane ticket. Have fun. We'll see you in three years when you don't show up to court, and then we try to track you down for the next 10. Go at it. Have fun. Welcome to America, baby. <laughs> that's that's that, They're excited about it, too, aren't they? They feel really proud when they do something like that. Yeah, so we have the Democrat progressive agenda like Jamal Bowman, who is now welcoming Palestinian refugees. We are, again, this goes into the order of the House of Representatives, if we could actually get our act in order, that we're trying to pass a bill that would prevent Palestinian refugees from coming to the United States. Because while we just had a day of jihad that was called for on Friday, which thank God nothing actually happened. Can we just stop for a moment and recognize that? Thank God nothing actually happened on Friday the 13th when there was a call for a uh, a day of jihad. There was a few stabbings in the country of France. There were some big rallies that happened, I believe, in the UK. Outside of that, at least the media wasn't covering it. I don't know of any other stories. Maybe they were happening and the media just didn't want to bring attention to it because that would look really bad for the pro-Palestinian ralliers and protesters across the country right now on college campuses in New York State and everything else. But I, I haven't seen any other stories of the day of jihad which tells me one of two things. Either people didn't get the memo or there's not as many radical terrorists as what uh, we think of, which is a good thing, or they're planning something at another time, which is a concerning piece as well. But with numerous terrorists on the terrorist watch list that are being apprehended from the southern border, that should be a telltale sign that maybe we should, number one, stop the flow of the border, which the Biden administration coincidentally is starting to do now because they don't want to look bad during a time of a potential terrorist attack in this nation. But we should also be wary of, sad to say, Palestinians coming in. Now, women and children uh, don't openly and willingly want to attack somebody, but they've been used by Hamas many times before. Which is why, if you remember, during the Middle Eastern wars that we had in Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran and all the other places that we've been involved in, that we had story after story of soldiers coming back and saying it broke their heart and why we're seeing so many mental illness issues right now. Because they had to shoot women and children because the terrorists were using them, strapping bombs to them and making them go up while we are the great humanitarians trying to help individuals. And then, lo and behold, they have a bomb strapped to them and blow everybody up in the vicinity, including that woman or child, and it's devastating. And while Israel's warning people to get out of the Gaza Strip right now, the women and children are being used as the shield of defense for the Hamas terrorist soldiers. These people are evil. And for whatever reason, we want to expose ourselves and open and widen ourselves even more to that vulnerability by welcoming Palestinian refugees when that's not even the purpose of how a refugee system or an asylum-seeking system actually works. And I don't know why he can't understand that, but this is the mindset of a progressive. And I get, look, I've said this many times. There are two tiers of Democrats and progressives, by the way. There are the ones that are on the ground, the boots on the ground, the protesters who truly sometimes honestly think that they are doing the right thing. Their heart might be in the right place. They want to take care of the environment. They want to take care of people. They want to take care of some certain issue. They feel that fighting for this cause is going to make the world a better place. And they truly believe it. They are the bleeding heart Democrats. And you know what? God bless you. Because you're passionate about something, you want to change the world for the better, and you want to do it in a positive manner. And I tip my hat to you. I love you to that. I, I appreciate what you try to do. But you're being played. Because the second tier of progressive, the second tier of the deep state, the establishment, the socialist, the Democrat, the progressive, whatever you want to call them, the second tier of that are the ones that take advantage of them, take advantage of the first group. They're the ones that are pulling the strings 
for their own personal benefit, for their own political benefit, for the destruction of the nation, for this all-around world economic agenda or this globalization agenda, whatever it is. And they use these pawns, these bleeding hearts, through their emotions to do their bidding. And that's what we have to be careful of. And I don't know whether Jamal Bowman is one of those idiots or whether he's one pulling the strings. I'm assuming he's an idiot because he literally tried to uh, pull a fire alarm when a vote was going on in Congress to try to stop a vote. So I'm thinking he's on the lower end of the spectrum, but I could be wrong. Kind of like John Fetterman on the late night TV. So I'd be like, oh, we're not electing the brightest and smartest people into D.C. I saw the meme on that that said, well, if uh, John Fetterman would meet John Fetterman, then he would probably agree with that statement overall as well. So, yeah, we have a Democrat party, especially with what Hakeem Jeffries is doing, advocating for moderate Republicans to come to the dark side. And that's why it's so urgently necessary that the Republicans get their act together and elect the speaker from within their own ranks, as it is the responsibility of the majority party to do or have traditional Republicans break with the extremists within the House Republican Conference and partner with Democrats on a bipartisan path forward. We are ready, willing, and able to do so. I know there are traditional Republicans who are good women and men who want to see government function, but they are unable to do it within the ranks of their own conference, which is dominated by the extremist wing, and that's why we continue to extend the hand of bipartisanship to them. Sounds good, doesn't it? Come to the dark side. These aren't the droids you're looking for. How many Star Wars references do we have to make on this program to get the point here? Progressives are the ones trying to sound really nice, but have an alternative agenda that could be devastating moving forward. The paradigm is shifting in politics right now, and I'm optimistic. I'm always the eternal optimist on this show. I always see the bright side, and I see a huge opportunity for Republicans and conservatives to really have a strong say and influence in D.C., but if we play our cards right, because they have the media, they have the propaganda, and they have the really sweet talk whispering in our ears that sounds oh so well. We'll do some more of this when we come back. Stay here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. America's safe space for common sense. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. If you need that safe space for some freedom, common sense, reason, conservatism, this is the place for it. Andy, you're so tough on the Republican Party. Why are you so mean to them? I always remember that. You ever had that parent as a Little League coach? Maybe, or some kind of coach, and maybe you were the kid or you were the parent coaching. And remember how you never wanted to look like you were playing favoritism, which <laughs> I've seen that quite a bit when I was playing Little League as a kid. But nonetheless, uh, my dad, for example, was a coach of my Little League team for years, growing all the way up. I remember that he would always be harder on me than any other player on there because he did not want to look like he was playing favorites with his kid. So therefore, I didn't always get to play the position that I wanted to. And even if I did, I had to make sure that I was better by far than any other person on that team to validate the fact that I was in that position because he didn't want to look like that they, that the other parents were mad and accusing him of playing favorites. Because there, if you know, if you do small town politics, if you play sports, you know that if a parent's coaching, there's always going to be some kind of favoritism. It always happens. 
But the ones that try not to do that try to make their kids be better and work harder than anybody else just to be in a position to validate the fact that they're there. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that because we hold ourselves to a higher standard. I am harder on the Republican Party because I think that we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Democrats, they don't hold themselves to a very high standard. They say anything. They change their policy based on whatever direction the wind's blowing. They change their direction based on public polls. They change whatever at any time, and then they ignore their entire history of supporting something else in the past. And it's wild how we allow that to happen, and we just let it go. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. And we can even play back-to-back. The, our, the, the uh, Joe Biden talking about how putting two races of students together in a school would create a racial jungle. And even recently, which that was back in the day in like the 80s and 90s, to even recently when he talks about running for president and talking about, you know, if you don't vote for me or if you don't know who to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. And just the most racist comments that you could possibly make. And then he's out there like, I support this community. I support diversity. I support this. I support that. How can you say that? They don't have any standards. And I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about the party as a whole and the ideology. The ideology is about being sleazy and dirty and playing in whatever game and changing the rules of the game at any time to make sure that you win because the ends justify the means. Republicans are in a moral battle right now on what the values are that they hold. Are they going to hold values and stick to their guns to what they support or are they going to go into essentially what the Democrats are doing? And if really the party has done that. And the battle is the ones with the morals and the principles trying to bring that back into the party, which is the major fight right now. So, yeah, we're really harsh on the Republicans, but I'm here to say I'm still a Republican. I still want to see Republicans win. And everything that we say on here is to try and make the Republican Party better and benefit from it and listen to us. Stop and listen for a second. Unite, get together, do your damn job, elect a speaker, and let's get some stuff done. Because we have a huge opportunity. But, yes, we're going to be harder on you because if you slip up, we're actually going to call you out on it. The one thing Democrats do very, very well is unifying and doing that top-down conversation. They are very good at just getting in line, doing the marching orders, and doing what needs to be done. And they can have their squabbling. We've seen it. But, man, they are really good at just walking in unison. But conservatism is on the rise, not just in the United States, but all over the place, because the COVID pandemic or other issues, whatever it may have been, has brought the concern to so many about government control over your daily life. What was the big country, as you know, over the COVID pandemic that was a concern about the major lockdowns was really Australia and New Zealand, right? Apparently, according to Breitbart.com, conservatives had a, quote, sweeping victory in the latest elections in New Zealand, ousting their lockdown party of Queen Arden's party that was in control during the pandemic. They're tired of it. People want freedom. People want liberty. The pendulum always swings in society, and we've swung so far to the left for so long that people want some change and want a little bit of breath. And even though we may not remember what that breath actually looks like, it's still there, and we can start fighting for it. And we can have it again. They're fighting for it. We've seen Brazil go more conservative. We've seen Brexit in Europe. All over the world, there's little sparks of hope, of freedom, and liberty. We can't let it diminish here because we're the ones that I think ignited that. Donald Trump was a big part of that, but conservatives and together, we're the ones that ignited that. Let's do it, baby. Let's do this thing, and let's be excited about it. Let's do it. 
Rock that world! Rock that world! And with that, we're going to leave you for this weekend. Again, make sure to check out the podcast. We have it at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Make sure to watch our website as well at HoosierReason.com, all of our social media. Until then, everybody, have a great weekend. We're back at it again for our next weekend edition of The Voice of Reason. Be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.